podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombe show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you're subscribed to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombe show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombe show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Two fantastic guests coming your way. Leading off in just a moment with Greg Brady back on the show. And we'll start where else but the biggest contract in sporting history. Mahomes getting paid, but have the Chiefs overpaid for him? Or does the deal make a huge amount of sense, given the fact he is the best in the business right now, isn't he? Let us know what you think on that, incidentally, at the NC Show Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, we'll talk about the Washington Redskins name change to Deshaun Jackson getting in hot water. What does that mean for the Eagles? Lots of news to be getting into with Brady. Neil Reynolds back in the house as well. We're continuing our series on the most improved teams in the NFL. So it would be remiss not to include the Miami Dolphins, seeing as Neil and I have a thing for the Finns. But in all seriousness, we think they are on the right track on the up. But are they a playoff team? We'll break down all things Dolphins with Neil and have a good catch up with him to boot. So looking forward to that. But leading off this week, it's the terrific Greg Brady. Greg Brady, welcome back to the show. How are you, man? It's good to be here. I mean, uh, don't let the brick wall fool you. I don't feel incarcerated in the least. Uh, so good to, good to be here. And I great love to the talk. Brick we're, uh, we're getting closer to wall. summer, getting closer to fall. For the benefit of our pod listeners who haven't seen the video here, so you are, uh, we're doing this on, on Zoom, of course, it's all the rage. Uh, don't you know? And, and Greg, uh, always fascinated by our guest's background. Greg has gone for a brick wall. It is, it, it is it kind of Seinfeld-esque 1987 comedy club. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me tell you about airline food, Nat. Um, you, know, what's, would, what, you know, when you get in a taxi cab, uh, I got about 10 minutes on that. Yeah, I would love you to bake crowd sores. Uh, Seinfeld-esque one-liners about, as you say, <laughs> about airline food and get you to deliver them at a comedy club post-lockdown. I think we should work on that. We should make that happen. Uh, it'll take a lot of writing. It'll take a lot more. I prep hard for this show, but it would take a lot more preparation for me. to. I, I need cue cards. I need a cue card guy in the background to make that no, work. You, it's all of the delivery. You were dead padded up. Jack Betty style. All right. A um, lot to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got to start with the Mahomes deal. Mahomes getting paid. I think is maybe the, the, the biggest understatement of the, of the year. Um, huge deal. Dividing opinion. Most people, yeah, it makes sense. He's the best quarterback of his generation. He's a once-in-a-generational talent. If you find talent like that, you, you pay them. The, you can't overpay, I heard somebody say. You can't overpay for, for great talent. The flip side of that is saying, well, look, we don't doubt his ability. We don't doubt he is the real deal. But... It's nonsense to say you can't overpay. You can overpay because you immediately put pressure on the front office for the rest of the roster and you won't have the weapons around him and you won't be able to spend money on players like Sammy Watkins. And actually, it doesn't make sense to go this high. Where are you on the Mahomes deal? I'm inclined to think that Kansas City on and off the field made a good transaction, but you're not wrong in that the dollar amount, unless the cap keeps rising, doesn't have to rise exponentially. And once we're through the pandemic, I think we don't think the NFL is a is a stock that you wouldn't you be you wouldn't be selling NFL stock right now going forward. There's a lot of other leagues. I don't think you'd sell NFL stock. I don't think you'd sell Premier League stock. But the you know the sports the other sports in North America that are really struggling to potentially restart. NBA, you're not sure. You're, you're not sure if they can't pull this off. Salary cap goes down. NHL, salary cap's going down anyway because of missing half the regular season. Um, so it, that deal's got some potency. But no, you, listen, you can pay too, You can pay an elite quarterback too much. New Orleans, Drew Brees went and got 
all the money he could. A lot of those years in New Orleans, and it didn't mean they were bad teams. Though remember, they had a few seven and nine, eight and eight teams in a row before the last few seasons post their uh, their Super Bowl win over Indianapolis. But they had to constantly reshape that roster to to make the money work uh, for where Drew Brees was at. So Kansas City made an interesting call here. I don't think the off-field stuff can be uh, undersold enough. This is not. This is the most personable star athlete that we have on our continent in North America. This is the most practical athlete in terms of you want to sell something, Patrick Mahomes can sell it to you. There are no, you know, negatives. There's no, you know, uh, you know, red X's against him. He's a guy that can sell anything and, and everything. And I think the Chiefs will utilize him that way. Think about jersey sales. You could put Patrick, like you lose Patrick Mahomes. And, and no, it was never getting to that, but locking him in for as long as possible. Uh, it, you know, it's a massive commitment, but it's a big commitment on Mahomes' part. There might be somebody mm. soon enough in three or four years that makes a higher AAV uh, than Patrick Mahomes. But uh, I'll tell you, and I'm sure you'll get to it, the layers everyone said to me, and this is the one thing that drove me crazy about the last 48 hours, everyone said, you know, oh, what, this is good news for Dak Prescott. This mm. is great news for Deshaun Watson. Those aren't, those aren't Patrick Mahomes. Those players are not Patrick Mahomes. So I don't think it is phenomenal news. I, you know, spoiler alert, I don't think it has anything to do. Jerry Jones is not going to take a call from Dak Prescott's agent and go, Mahomes money, he's going to mm-hmm. hang up laughing. They're not the same. He's a not, very good quarterback. He's a top 10, top 12 quarterback, but not the same player Matt. I am so glad you said that because I completely agree with that take, completely agree with it. The very fact that Mahomes is demonstrably at a higher level than both of those players, certainly Dak Prescott, at the moment, probably going forwards, you could maybe argue that Watson, both of them could get close to him, but at the moment it's not not even close. So exactly your point that laying the marker down of this is what the market value is for Patrick Mahomes. You are a level below, so you're not going to get, you're going to get level below money. Now, and I know people are saying, well, what does that translate to in, in quarterback terms here? Is it 10 million less? Is it 8 million per year less? What does that work out to? But I completely agree. I don't think it strengthens Stack Prescott's hand in particular. I think it weakens his hand because by comparison, they're not in the same league. No, and, and uh, your point about w- what you're paying for, you're paying for present and you're paying for future in Patrick Mahomes. There, Russell Wilson's making $35 million. Um, that was the new deal that he restructured to stay probably in Seattle the rest of his career. Mm. That's more what Dak Prescott should be shooting for. Dak Prescott should be thrilled to get a Russell Wilson-type deal right now. I, I agree. Deshaun Watson's level, his upside is a little bit higher, yeah. uh, as he showed last year. But, you know, I guess the only downside you could say about Mahomes is, what about health? He does, he does scramble a lot. He is, he's definitely in that, uh, you know, that, that RPO system and loves to get out on his own. But for a spectacular quarterback as he is, um, you, know, we, you know, we can have a conversation about is Lamar Jackson more or, the, you know, more spectacular, the same level of spectacular. We do know that, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, is, is a, I think, a little bit of a risk in terms of, injury going forward but why wouldn't we say that about Patrick Mahomes but I just don't think you can do big business that way I don't think you can look to Patrick Mahomes and say we're going to give you a few years but you might get hurt not with what he's done the last two years not as a starter goes right to overtime against Tom Brady and that Patriots team that won the Super Bowl then he's back in the Super Bowl winning it uh clearly outplaying Jimmy Garoppolo the very next season I don't know that anyone's had a first two seasons like this you and I have talked a long time about how it takes quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, time to win. Took Peyton Manning, time to win in the postseason. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, it takes time. Brett Favre takes time to get past some of those obstacles. Patrick Mahomes says, what obstacles? I mean, the guy's won five playoff games in his first two seasons as a starter. And, I don't, and, and look at Lamar Jackson. There's another example. We're waiting to see Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. And we're going to have to wait several more months before we get to see it the first time. That's an interesting point. Does Mahomes get this deal if they didn't make the Super Bowl, let alone go on and win it last year? So they got out in the playoffs earlier on. Does Mahomes still get paid this amount? I don't think he does. No, I, I think everything that he's uh, accomplished has been certainly enhanced by the accomplishments on the field. Uh, I mean, if we could fast forward 1984 to now, Dan Marino's getting this kind of contract. It took Dan Marino a year and a half to get his team to the Super Bowl. And yeah, it's famous, uh, you know, famous tale that don't expect to, you know, always just keep 
keep improving. Don't he he did, but don't expect that that you know what's around you is always going to be that good. That was a fourteen and two Dolphins team, as you know and I know, and they never got back again. They had a few AFC Championship game visits. They even hosted an AFC title game uh, in nineteen ninety two against Buffalo, the ninety three playoffs, mm-hmm. and Jim Kelly kind of outplayed Dan Marino in that game. So look, no, Mahomes is getting that deal because of accomplishments. And look, Dak Prescott has been a starter for, what, four seasons now? If he'd had the same accomplishments, we'd be talking about him. But I think Dallas can easily turn back around, and kind of Houston can with Deshaun Watson, since these are sort of the next two guys, Lamar Jackson among them, to kind of cash in. But Dallas can look to to Dak Prescott and say, we don't see the accomplishments just yet. You won one playoff game in four seasons as a starter. We love you. We don't – like, there's no alternative, and this is why – Guys like, you know, Jay Cutler, Tony Romo, Phillip Rivers, those sort of middle-table quarterbacks, they kept getting deals, kept getting richer, and their teams hoped they'd take them somewhere. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Jared Goff's a great example. I know you and I like Jared Goff. That's a, that's a good deal for the Rams, but it's not a great deal. I don't know that he played up to the level of that deal um, coming off an a- NFC title win where he did outplay Drew Brees in that game. So, you know, he, Jared Goff's waiting for a bounce-back season. But mm. you, pay as, you pay as long as you go. Matt Stafford has made a ton of money from the Detroit Lions, and he's never won a playoff game. Is that Matt Stafford's fault? Probably not. And the alternative would have brought, brought way less success to the Lions over the last yeah. 10, 12 seasons. Uh, Rakesh is uh, amongst a number of you got in touch with the show at the NC show asking that very question you uh, alluded to a moment ago, Greg Brady. Uh, there were statistical comparisons, says Rakesh, this week be- between Mahomes and Marino. In today's world, what would Marino uh, be worth? I think that's kind of answered that very, very highest level, crazy money. And uh, uh, the other thing that occurs to me about this deal, and when you're looking at the argument that the Chiefs have, have misstepped here because of the pressure it's going to put on the rest of the roster. Uh, uh, you look at a quarterback, and I know people will say, well, he's only won one Super Bowl, and that's the, the Green Bay Packers have, have really let down a generational talent. But you look at a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I think this is true of Russell Wilson as well, at the Seahawks, that are able to cultivate something, if not entirely out of nothing, then certainly out of... Uh, a, a weakened collection of pieces around them. They don't rely on having an elite array of players around them all the time because the nature of how they play the game and obviously the caliber uh, and, and, and their innate ability. Mahomes definitely fits into that. So to, to, yeah. to lay that out there, even if his receiving core, even if what is around him in three, four, five years' time is not at the same level that it's at now, it's not going to matter to the Chiefs with Mahomes as their quarterback as much as it would in many other situations. He should be able to elevate others. That is the big thing, uh, is that elite quarterbacks should be able to, you know, Tom Brady's the obvious example. You know, he got to play with Randy Moss for a few years, mm-hmm. but, but the guy made stars of Wes Welker. And I'm, I'm not knocking how hard Wes Welker worked or how efficient he was or Danny Amendola or Julian Edelman. I'm not knocking those guys, but I don't think even – if you inject the true serum, as I like to say, into the Julian Edelman's and Wes Welkers, they go to Cincinnati and play with Andy Dalton. You know, if they go to, uh, you know, Chicago if they go to Arizona and they're playing with, you know, a, kind of a decent Carson Palmer, mm. that's not the same as playing with Tom Brady. And Peyton Manning's receivers over time, though he had some great ones, obviously, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, but there's a lot of guys that got rich year after year because Peyton Manning was throwing them touchdown passes, no question. 500 million, just over. Don't forget the three that, that is kind of factored in the 503 million. Uh, but a lot of people saying that it probably won't last the 10 years, right? The 10-year contract, they'll probably look at re-upping or renegotiating it uh, midway through is the, is the perceived wisdom there. So either way, uh, a big payday for Mahomes. Surety, solidity for this exciting Chiefs offense, exciting Chiefs franchise that Andy Reid has got plenty of years left in the tank as well. So he isn't going anywhere. Those two will be kept uh, together. Smart business for me. And we've talked about this a lot, Greg. And I know it's a slightly different situation here when you look at the level of this deal and, and the scale of the deal. But when there is a surety in the front office, whether it is on a draft pick that other draft nicks and other mock boards say, oh, well, they're reaching up here. I'm not sure. If you are sure that is your guy, you have that conviction. You go get him, you go pay him. If it's a receiver that is on free, in free agency and actually it seems like it's quite a rich deal, if you feel strongly that that receiver is going to uplift your offense to the degree that you want, and it makes a lot of sense. Doesn't matter to a degree what the market says, just go and do it. And I feel that's exactly the same here, that this is a player that you can't deny is going to only, only mm-hmm. keep the, the Chiefs 
as serious contenders for the foreseeable future. They are building the, the foundations of an absolute dynasty here, the continuity with Andy Reid there. If they can keep the coordinators by and large together as much as possible. I heard um, Mike Lombardi suggesting this on his pod about the enemy and saying, look, if, if Reid's going to stick around for six, seven years and you say to the enemy, McDaniel style in, in Foxborough, you're the heir apparent, just hang around. I mean, that is, that is a, a serious foundation for a dynasty that the Chiefs are building. That, that's a big one. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about that. You know, Eric Bieniemy's been really valuable to them. You and I are in Minnesota, and we're watching and hearing from Eagles players talk about Frank Reich at that point in time. Right. Look, uh, you know, they, they won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Um, the Eagles really struggled until the Super Bowl to put up points. They struggled in Chicago. Um, you know, they handled uh, the AFC title game, I suppose. No problem against Minnesota. But Nick Foles wasn't electric until he got to that Super Bowl. And right. Frank Reich had the two weeks – to design a game plan. So yeah, the offensive coordinator means so much, but yeah, like there's just no other team outside of the chiefs that I could look at. And I think you were, you were, you were, you know, um, you know, elaborating on it, that the concept that I don't know how you don't ink them in for multiple Super Bowl wins. It's a really hard thing to do because every time somebody gets there, look at that Cam Newton team. Look at that team that went to San Francisco, Santa Clara and played the Denver Broncos in Peyton Manning's last ever game. Cam Newton's 15 and one. He's a, he's a unanimous NFL MVP. They've got Luke Keekley on the defensive side. They've got weapons. They've got receivers. They've got a very good defensive line and they've won a playoff game since then. And obviously, you know, the, the, the story for Cam, who, who'd have predicted that five years later that he'd sort of be run out of Carolina, uh, you know, with no real great alternative as a preference. Um, this isn't like Tom Brady taking Drew Bledsoe's job or Steve Mon- or Steve Young, um, and Joe Montana being pushed out the door uh, to Kansas City so Steve Young can start. So, yeah, it, it's a cautionary tale to start thinking that, you know, this quarterback's going to keep doing this. Aaron Rodgers never getting back to a Super Bowl. It's been 10 years since Aaron Rodgers has played in the Super Bowl. When that comes out of my mouth, I kind of <laughs> even don't believe it. But Patrick Mahomes is going to win multiple Super Bowls there yeah. for Andy Reid. I don't know how he does it. Uh, exciting times for, for the Chiefs. So let, let's move on because other stories I want to get into. And I'm going to dive into our mailbag again to lead into the next one. Uh, at Shaw Jaws, it had great handle. Uh, what should the <laughs> Eagles do with DJX? What he said was inexcusable and something should be done, but I have no idea what. He's, of course, referring to Deshaun Jackson, uh, the erstwhile Eagle uh, in his second spell at the team, still, uh, if not at the top in the top roster in his position certainly as he demonstrated last season when he was fit uh, an elite player but he is in all kinds of trouble for posting content on his social media channels that contained anti-semitic uh language uh it was a quote that was falsely attributed to adolf hitler uh, that deshaun jackson posted and of course it immediately met with widespread condemnation He's come back and apologized, Jackson, saying, anyone who feels I have hatred towards the Jewish community took my post the wrong way. I have no hatred in my heart towards no one. Equality, equality. Uh, but the Eagles have already come out with a pretty strongly worded statement about it. Uh, do they have any choice here? Does Deshaun Jackson have to be fired, Greg? I, I don't think so. I'd like to think we still have teachable moments left, but I didn't like the, uh, you know, and, and you can learn from your mistakes. I do know this. Um, if I'm an NFL player, man, social media is to me, it's a death trap and I got to get somebody, uh, to keep me away from the keyboard. I got to get somebody to handle it for me. Uh, and I, and, and basically I say, this is what I want out there. What right. do you think? I've got to run it past a second set of eyes. Right. Um, and a lot of players, a lot of elite athletes on your side of the Atlantic, Nat, on my side of the Atlantic, just don't take enough caution. But this to me that this takes it a level up from just making a mistake uh, and, you know, retweeting the wrong thing or pushing the wrong message out there. It is hateful. It is racist. Um, you know, is racism racism or have we got a bunch of different levels of racism? This is a eight out of 10 for racist behavior. This is a five out of 10 because of a different, you know, group or a different color skin or a different religion. It was a pretty hateful, you know, quote, uh, I don't think I don't love the apology because Deshaun Jackson's more not saying it's all on me. It's sort of, hey, if you're offended, hey, if you took this the wrong way, then I'm sorry. And to me, that's not much of an apology. But again, I'd like to think that we can learn from these things. But now we, we're trying, I think, in the last few months with all the progress we've, we've taken here in the sports community, uh, in our own community, 
in terms of leveling the playing field, making opportunity. I don't know that we can ever have true equality in any context, but we can equal, we can make the opportunities equal. I, I think a strong, strong statement would be suspending him for games, finding him for games. But I also, you know, also want to work with Deshaun Jackson and, uh, you know, make, make it, you know, find a way to make it right. And, mm-hmm. and the initial step to me just doesn't go far enough. And he's got to decide and, and decide whether he wants to double down and still be sort of, you know, distant in terms of the apology and, and non-emotional as opposed to just saying, you know what? I, I, I got the wrong opinion. We've all probably had the wrong opinion about something 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Our parents certainly had the wrong opinions on a lot of stuff. And, and you know, they were on the wrong side of history and they adapted. Maybe I'm saying we should give Deshaun Jackson the chance to adapt. But I also understand people in the Jewish community and, and people, period, that see this obviously for what it is. It's racist. It's hateful. And I get them. I, I have to listen to them. We all have to listen to them saying, this is why he shouldn't be on the team anymore. It's not going to be an easy decision for the Eagles. This is still a good player. I think we'd agree if this was a, a backup nose tackle who never played in the league. He's already gone. So the, right. then again, we have a double standard. Right. And to your point as well, that, you know, Jackson's 33 years old, remember. He's not, you know, a sort of wet behind the ears rookie here. And, and also it wasn't a... Uh, well, I was about to say it wasn't an impulsive post. It certainly wasn't the kind of thing where he's caught staggering out of a club at four in the morning and get involved in a fight. And you think, what are you, you know, why are you letting that happen? This, this was something different that uh, it's extraordinary that a veteran, uh, irrespective of anything else, is by putting himself in this kind of, in this kind of position. Uh, well, that story, we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, so this might well have developed by the time we publish, but uh, we shall see at the moment. Certainly the Eagles and the statements coming out of the Eagles camp uh, seem to be fairly dogmatic in in terms of uh, how they're going to handle this and disciplinary action. The question is, how severe is that going to be? All right, let's move on to the Washington Redskins. Big story in the last uh, week or so. Washington, it seems, Greg, uh, looking like they're going to be uh, uh, forced. Is Dan Snyder being forced? I guess he is, seeing as he's been steadfastly refused to change the team's name in the past, despite pressure for years and years and years looks like that is going to is going to change now the name is going to change now then you you and i do a regular a weekly radio show we, we talked mm-hmm. about it on that and one of the things that occurred to me when we were on that show on sunday and carlson was was a guest and i was remembering the very first season i worked with carlson which is 15 odd years ago this was a big story then this was a big subject then why are we living in a generation when we've learned so much and we are so much more self-aware than perhaps we were in the past in certain areas. And that this is being allowed in one of the biggest sporting leagues in the world. There is a team with a nickname that is offensive to a significant number of people. Why is that being allowed? Why do we just change it? It's just a nickname. And here we are 13, 14, 15 years later. And only now, to me anyway, Greg, because the sponsors have got involved, because money talks, only now is Dan Snyder... Uh, looking to, to make the change is it am i being cynical is it just down to the money or is it would you like to think more than that and given what's been going on over over recent weeks and months that actually there has been a bit of self-awareness and a reawakening in, in terms of the the moral issues with with a team name like the redskins that's a great question i think it's mostly uh, it, it is you know about the money and i think a lot of things in sports you know we, we get older we, maybe we get a little more cynical i don't love it any less you don't love it any less our listeners probably don't love it any less but we realize sometimes what athletes pay, play for look at look at everything they're trying to do in north america right now um and it's it's a trickle down effect uh in terms of the teams the league needs to play to, to fulfill the tv contract the tv uh, you know, TV networks want content. The players want their cash. They want their paychecks. And I, I don't blame any of them for that. Um, you know, go get yours. But the thing here with Daniel Snyder is, as you said, um, you know, the fact that it took two major corporations in FedEx, with, whose name's on the stadium, and Nike, to, you know, within basically a 12-hour period last week to really push back on the nickname, it's, it's tricky, right? Because you want to give them credit. And I'm sure there's people that want to say, where have you been, as you said, the last decade, decade and a half in terms of being active on this? And look, we'll never get unanimity. We will never get that on what offends somebody. Never. So what, what, what Washington and Daniel Snyder have done before is they found native activists. They've taken them to games. They, they did a big deal at, uh, when they were on the road to play the Vikings one year. And they found people from the state of Minnesota who are Native American who got in front of a microphone and said, 
We love the nickname. It doesn't bother us in the least. But, you know, we're seeing this now with COVID, aren't we? Like, well, this doctor said this. You know how many doctors are on the planet who couldn't possibly agree on, you know, a, a vaccine or couldn't possibly agree on treatment, couldn't possibly agree on any aspect of this? So, it, it, I, I, you know, you can't cancel everything if a small minority, the loud minority, are offended by it. But study after study now seems to have shown that natives uh, in this, on this continent, people of indigenous heritage, they, they say it's a slur. You'd never walk up to somebody on the street and, and call an indigenous person or Native American or Native Canadian in my country that word. You wouldn't do it. You, I'm not even sure you'd use chief. And that's mm -hmm. the big thing that will go. There are chiefs, but you wouldn't call somebody that as a nickname. And that's, that may be the next you know, moment of reckoning for the NFL, believe it or not, is doubling back to Patrick Mahomes' team yeah. and that nickname. So, but I'm not 100% sure that the logo is changing in the least. I think this says, look, we have a 24-hour news cycle. As you know, what's sort of hot one week is not hot the next week, and we stop talking about it. So I think this has given uh, Daniel Snyder and the Washington team some ample time to wait this out a little bit and and come mm. up with some something that would be more of a proud name. Chicago Blackhawks said today, I saw this morning, they're not changing their name. We haven't heard from the Atlanta Braves. We haven't heard from, although the MLB is looking at it, obviously, the Cleveland Indians. Um, right. So, you know, I, I don't know that this is going to be as much of a domino effect in changing the logos because there's tons of college teams, tons of high school teams mm. on this continent that have been steadfast. Some have changed, some have not. But that, yeah, the the Washington nickname, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure, although I saw Andrew Brandt differ yesterday on Twitter, I'm sure they won't play another game. Even if they can start the season on time in September, I feel confident that they'll keep the logo and they will get rid of the name. Uh, Ron Rivera wants it. Players want yeah. it. It's uncomfortable for players to even talk about. Rivera said it would be awesome if it could be done before the start of the season. On the money tip, and it's a point you and I made elsewhere, but the value the, the the obvious revenue that can be generated by the organization with an entirely new brand right so Snyder's going to see the upside from a business perspective in that if, if indeed it is business that is forcing his hand to do it uh, in in the first place uh, what will they change their name to is the other question because there are a lot of names uh, suggestions flying around there the red tails is the it seems to be the the favorite certainly in terms of Vegas Dwayne Haskins likes that as well uh, the red tails deriving from the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, which was the uh, African-American aerial combat unit uh, that fought during World War II. So Haskins, uh, a prominent or a vocal supporter of that, is that the likely change, do you think? Are the generals I've heard is another option as well, the Washington generals, which is yeah, a, little bit, a little bit more generic for me, a little bit, I think that... Although you can, have, you can have like the Patriots games, you can have those guys with the muskets and the long flowing... Uh, Coats, oh, nice! Right, yeah, and you yeah, can have fire. Uh, you know, hopefully, that, fire yeah. non-loaded rifles. I think it's just. Uh, <laughs> I think those are cap guns, basically, when the Patriots score a touchdown. Uh, or when you can combine it with the Tampa Bay. Uh, I was going to say, uh, with Tampa Bay fire the cannon. Does that? Does that? Yeah. Is that an actual cannibal? Or is it, <laughs> can we clarify that? Um, well, yeah. Red tails seems to be the the most likely name. Do you think? Because because Snyder's going to, I guess, obviously, can like some kind of continuity if if nothing else and that seems to be the best option all around uh and you reckon yeah, miami miami university miami university went went redskins to red hawks about 20 years ago um right. and and the logo's more like a you know kind of a proud you know bird as it were um but yeah it's i i wonder about that sort of ripple effect i mentioned with the other teams and, and watching mm. this uh you know w watching this sort of develop there's a there's a lot of pressure on snyder and that's the thing. He's, you know, sometimes we, we should judge actions more than words, but I think Snyder's got to get up there in front when he, he's got to be there when they announce the name change. And he's got to be like, again, as we were saying earlier, you know, um, I was on the wrong side of this and I've been, you know, he's got to say, I've, I've, I've seen some sort of awakening. I've, you know, I, I want our fans to feel comfortable. I want people of all uh, creeds and colors to be comfortable cheering for our team coming to our games, buying our merchandise, uh, and, and you know, making sure that, that people understand that, it, you know, this wasn't, you know, he didn't have a gun to his head and, uh, and, and made the change just because he thought about losing millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. 
We will watch that one keenly. And uh, by this time next week, uh, well, that story might well have progressed that Sean Jackson will certainly. And I wonder whether the deals for Dak Prescott and the Sean Watson will have got done or at least uh, further, further move forwards at Greg Brady, it's always a pleasure chatting to you. I, I, all the way through the chat, I've been thinking about this 10, 15 minutes of, of political material you're going you're gonna to drop into now. Uh, maybe that's for a, a spin-off pod that we could work on. Um, great to see you, Matt. And of course, you and I are, are going great guns with our radio show. So that's where our listeners can catch you. Where else can uh, Talk Sports Sunday Nights Internet? Where else can they catch you? Well, all over the place right now in uh, Toronto. I'm, I'm doing some work with Global News Radio 640 Toronto, but uh, all, all future announcements and all future stand-up gigs, Nat, at least for the next mm. month and a half uh, till, uh, you know, I solidify a few things. You can find me at Greg Brady TO on Twitter, and that's that. Loving your work. Good to see you, bud. Take care. Thanks, Nat. Our next guest, the host of the Neil Reynolds podcast and something called Sky Sports NFL. Kind of rings a bell. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Neil Reynolds. Always a pleasure. Always. First, I really mean that. First things first, things first. I love the Dan Marino in the background there. Did Dan like Marino. Actually, also, I, just, hmm. I put it up just a second ago because right. uh, it was a covering up t-shirt of my podcast. I thought that's pushing it a bit too far to kind of have it there. So I, I balanced it up and then Marino fell flat on his face. I think oh. his Achilles went again. So. <laughs> you obviously knew he was coming back to go on this show and didn't want to, and wanted to get out of it somehow. Who Look else is bobblehead? So you've got there, that looks like Rivers on the left. That's a program and the bobblehead next That's to That's a game you. program that I, that I edited. There's an Andrew Luck bobblehead there. Andrew Luck bobblehead, yeah. Two books, little nameplate that the Vikings made up for me. My book, Pain Gang, uh, a Gridiron. Well, we'd have to go through yeah. all of them. <laughs> Book. Yeah, it's basically a vanity wall. Oh, just to have to get a couple of those in there. Right? This is actually the kids' priorities. And this was completely, this shelf was completely full of toys until about two months ago when uh, it kind of emerged that I'd be doing a lot more of this stuff from home. So out came all the toys and in came uh, a load of my NFL tour, which was up in the loft. So. Strictly business, Neil Reynolds, strictly business. <laughs> it's good to see you. We're going to talk in particular today about the, about the Miami Dolphins because on the show in recent weeks, we've been looking at teams that we think are amongst the most improved in the NFL. And I think the Dolphins certainly are in the conversation there for sure. So we want to drill down a bit more as to exactly what to expect this season, where the upgrades are, where the deficiencies still are, and, and try and work out what, when it comes out in the wash, the Dolphin season is going to look like. So let's start, uh, well, let's start with the, with the draft. Here's something I've been thinking about. Going for Tua, I guess, became almost a no-brainer because of the three first-round picks, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think the Dolphins, if they'd had, let's say they had, like most other normal teams, only had one first-rounder, would they have gone for Tua, do you think, if they'd had less first-round picks? I still think they would. I think they, they feel he's their guy. I think they're not worried about the medical concerns too much. Um, we've been through this as Dolphins fans, how many quarterbacks they've been through since Dan Marino, and it's it's a rogues gallery. So they had to find the answer. Um, they think he's the answer, and I think they would have rolled the dice on him uh, regardless. You know, I actually think they will feel they did a good bit of business because we all kind of expected around the draft that they might might trade up they might have to go up to where Detroit were they might have to move up and fend off the Chargers Uh, they stayed where they were they kept their draft picks um, and they got their guy it doesn't mean he's going to start straight away Um, in fact I think it's in their best interest that he doesn't but uh, it looks like they feel like they've addressed that position so yeah I think they would have gone for him anyway out of interest who is your favorite Dolphins quarterback post Marino I like Jay Fiedler Jay Fiedler. Jay Fiedler. Because, for well, two reasons. Uh, one, I thought he was quite plucky, took a lot of punishment, um, but he was, uh, he was, you know, I thought he was quite brave. And, um, you know, Dolphins still had a semi-decent team when he was around. So that was one reason. Uh, also, when I worked at First Down uh, newspaper, um, Jay Fiedler was playing for the Amsterdam Admirals. Yeah, right. I think he scored like two or three rushing touchdowns in one game. And became the uh, subject of one of my favourite all-time headlines as we come up with Fiedler on the Hoof. <laughs> nice. That's one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look Reynolds up. same current as ever. Fiedler <laughs> <laughs> on the pole. <laughs> Next TikTok you do, just just reference that. You'll be you'll be nailing it. Um, <laughs> don't worry, we're in trouble with it too. Um, 
Well, that you kind of alluded to, uh, I think, the answer to my next question. But also, you've got some, you got some uh, skin in the game here because you're buddies with with Fitz, right? I mean, he's been on your pod. You know, you guys uh, uh, hang out, uh, and so uh, it's always a difficult, isn't it, when when you have that kind of relationship with somebody or you work with somebody and it's gone yeah. well to to look at it neutrally and dispassionately. But 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 try and remove your bromance for a moment and. Is it the right play, I guess, particularly given this, this off-season, to run with Fitz for a while and then blood tour in midway through the season? Or do you think it might even sit the whole season? What do you think? How do you think that's going to play out? I, I do think that's, that's the right move. And I also, as much as I love Fitz, and yeah, he's more than just a kind of contact in the NFL, um, I, I do think he's a great guy. I also don't think he should be the quarterback of the Dolphins in 2021. Um, but I do think he should be to start this season. Um, and I think he should be given as much of a run of that uh, that job and, until either he doesn't live up to what they expect or the team falls out of playoff contention, then they take a look at Tua. I think you know, Tua's mm-hmm. going to be needing the, you know, some time medically, I think, but also mm-hmm. maybe to grow. And actually, Fitz is a great guy to learn from because he's, you know, he's kinda, he kind of knows his place in the NFL sort of hierarchy he understands the business to to the point where he knows what his future is now in Miami after this season um and I think he accepts that and he'll be a good mentor and a good teacher for uh Tua so um you know and I think last year Fitz they played better when Fitz was in you know and that's not just a knock on Josh Rosen and and actually Fitz told me it wasn't just wasn't an X's and O's thing he said I just came in with a a load of passion and desire and, and kind of dragged everyone with me. So um, I think he deserves to start, given how he finished last year. I think the team rallies around him. Um, they'll know when it's time because players see it in practice. Coaches see it. If Tua's like tearing tearing it up in practice, then that time is going to come. But week one, and certainly for as long as Fitz plays well, I think it should be his job this year. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. And again, it's that kind of pragmatism that we're seeing more and more in terms of the quarterback position, teams have that luxury. It seems not just the not just the Finns of blooding in their young quarterbacks and giving them a little bit more time than maybe the other young quarterbacks have had in recent years to uh, to, to get into it. Statement of intent as well in terms of boosting the offensive line, right? So Austin Jackson going, uh, Robert Hunt as well. So that totally logical when you're looking at investing into uh, the future of the franchise they all hope. So talk us through the rest of the, of the offense, starting with the line and, and the, the status that, uh, following through what you said, as and when Tua graduates into the starting gig, so too young linemen among, around him will be, will be stepping up as well. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the thing that they really, they really need. It, you know, and Austin Jackson's young. You know, he's really young and, and so he might need time to grow at the NFL level, but he can grow with Tour and you know the Dolphins will look at coming out of this draft with potentially three offensive linemen with their quarterback of the future and and the offensive line was a was an issue and um, you know I remember Fitz telling me when we got together in Miami he said I hadn't seen the stats but he said I, I he didn't play quite half a season it might have been more just a little bit more than half a season he said do you know I was the most hit quarterback in the NFL I hadn't even realised that and he wow. was, and he said I'm actually in pretty good shape considering I'm I'm fortunate. Um, so they needed to address it. I, I was really critical of the, the signing of Eric Flowers, but a lot of Washington fans have kind of reminded me he was actually half decent last year. He's just better suited playing at guard. Mm. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But it was an area that they needed to address. Um, you know, and I like the fact that they get they get Jackson to kind of grow with to him. Maybe, maybe he doesn't see the field this year as well. I mean, it's... Certainly, a patient approach that Brian Flores is taking. And as fans, we see the first round draft pick, we see the name, and we expect to see them in the lineup in week one. It, it, like you said, I think you used the word, there's a pragmatism to what the Dolphins are doing now. And I think that's, that's, that's only right, given that they're, they're kind of trying to work their way back up. Flowers, it was interesting, actually. I, I, I kind of agree. You know, we th- you think about the. The upside of drafting a tackle early doors, it, it, you know, is that if he doesn't play out, then you can move him down the line, right? That's always the kind of the perceived wisdom. And, and usually the team that drafts him often doesn't get that benefit. But 
the way, you know, so the Giants fans will be spitting out their tea right now. We're saying, hey, we like the pickup of Eric Flowers, but it, but it, does, make, it does make a lot of sense. Outside of the line, I really liked the Jordan Howard pickup. I like, and actually, Breeder as well. I, I, I know there is a danger with both of them. It's a little bit like my typical strategy, Neil, playing fantasy. I tend to draft a team that would have been good four years ago. <laughs> that's, basically, that's my default fantasy strategy and come ninth out of 12 or whatever it is. Uh, and so there is a danger here, I guess, that... Mm, hoping for a lot of upside they're gonna have to have exceptional seasons really based on what we've seen recently uh for, for that to play out but but i think that given the, the deals and the cost of the the, the price uh, you know in both cases and certainly howard i think there's every reason to believe that he can get back to something near his best he doesn't seem to me to be one of those running backs that's fallen off a cliff physically right yeah i agree and i think when you look at again it's there was some sort of realism with with their picking up of running backs. You know, it was uh, they are good players, but they're not superstars. But they, right. they complement each other well as well. I think Jordan Howard is a is a physical back who can kind of lower the shoulder and you know pound away at the defense. And, and Matt Breeder was clocked at twenty two miles per hour on one of his touchdown runs last year on the fastest plays in the NFL. So you got that complementing each other. And so again, it's not the massive headline moves. But it's a step in the right direction because their leading rusher last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's Fitz, right? Exactly. It's madness. Ridiculous. Ranked, 30, you know, ranked thirty seconds. So the the upside isn't hard to to find there. Um, in, sorry, no. It's just it steps in the right direction. You know, we did, yeah. we, did we did the Patriots and Dolphins game on Sky Sports uh, week seventeen last mm. year. Fitz leads the late touchdown drive, throws the touchdown winner to Mike Jaziki. Um And what a thing a BT um, was as well. Oh yeah! <laughs> every time, every time somebody ran the football for the Dolphins, myself and Jeff Reinbold were reaching for our depth charts. It yeah, was, it was like a, yeah, right. It was I, I can't even recall some of the names now. Patrick Laird was one of them. Patrick Laird, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like ridiculous. So yeah. they have upgraded in that position, um, and they have a real stud at wide receiver in the Monty Park. I think. I think. Is there enough depth in receiver, though? That's what I'm worried about. I mean, a lot, again, a lot is count, resting on, and this is true, like, of so many teams in, in the NFL, right? If, you, things, if enough individual players have an upside season, then great. And, and so the Dolphins are by no means in a unique position here, but outside of him, you need, what, at least one of that other quarter to take a really big step forward. Do you, do you think there is enough? enough depth there but particularly if Fitz is going to play half the season so he's he's a wily old vet that can you know can make stuff happen mm. I'm, I'm worried that is a weak link though yeah I agree I, I agree and I don't think every you know we're, we're, we're positioning this team as an improved team but not yeah. the finished article you know and they're not the finished article and and there isn't enough at wide receiver you know I really like Parker I think he's come on he's definitely a true number one now he'll win you those jump balls um, I guess Preston Williams would be the one coming back from injury would be the one I would hope. Yeah. Uh, flash some stuff before, but, um, you know, at tight end, Jasicki came on towards the end of the season. I think kind of showed some stuff. He had two relatively quiet years, but I thought the last month of the season uh, was good. But there's no doubt the passing game is, is, um, is a work in progress. So, um, yeah, it's not all going to get done in, in one year with this team and, 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 and therefore, the jump might not be as big as, you know, again, we get, we get excited in the off-season when it actually gets going. I, think I haven't got their schedule to hand, but they've got a killer, brutal schedule out of the gate and, and towards the end as well. I remember writing about this around the schedule release. And I just wrote, I remember writing, Brian Flores must be ringing up league headquarters. Because I think four, <laughs> three or four playoff teams, they finish with three or four playoff teams. It's a tough old schedule. Uh, yeah. It all depends, of course, on what kind of season we have, right? If everyone's playing in Arlington, <laughs> in a bubble yeah, in Arlington, then we're... <laughs> yeah, week four might be week one. <laughs> right. Let's talk about Flores, because he seems to be very much a, a, a highly touted, highly regarded coach, given already in, in, in you know, early stages of his career as a head coach, given what he achieved last year. And it's easy to forget, 
and maybe it isn't Dolphins fans have it sort of burnt in their in their brains just how abject things were looking well this time last year frankly and, and obviously going into the season the fire sale with Tunsil going and Minka going and everybody going and we're going to go and 16 and this is terrible and uh, doom and gloom and I suppose the fact he made not single-handedly but obviously it's, it's his train set made the Finns competitive was a huge huge boost in, in terms of stock but we still don't really know what we're getting with, with Flores yet do we it's still very early doors do you think that maybe because of all this optimism with a great draft and bringing in Byron Jones and others in, in free agency that the optimism is maybe slightly blinding us to the fact that this is still a very, very young head coach that hasn't achieved an awful lot as a head coach yet. Yeah, I think he's still got a lot to prove. I, I do think they're on the right track with him. I think where we, we maybe we don't really know him uh, as such, you know, he's all about the football, I think. I mean, when, mm. when, when did you ever see a soundbite with Brian Flores in it? Or a kind of grumpy Bill Belichick type reaction that gets a little play on NFL.com. He avoids right. all of that. Um, do you Jack like that? Goes, do you like that in a coach? Do you think a yeah, coach I mean, needs to have yeah. a? I mean, I, I don't mind having different styles as well. I like Sean Payton sort of tearing the media apart and doing. I don't mind different ways. Um, they just are different ways. I just again, I go back to kind of all the tank for tour talk was out there, mm. um, and and Flores refused to let them have that as an excuse, you know, we've, we've got rid of Laramie Tunsil, we're not going to let whoever's departed be our excuse to just go through the motions. And when you think about the names that rolled through playing in games and they finished, well, they were four and three down the stretch. Right. I think he's, yeah, I think he's really onto something. Um, it's so well, important, isn't it, that second right. half of the season, like whatever your situation, if, you, if you're ending the season strongly, so much gets forgotten previously, you know. Right. The old stat, you know, whether you're doing it a gig, a stand-up, a band, if you leave it, if you could have quite a mediocre gig and then you smash the last five, ten minutes and then everyone remembers you. That's that's what Flores has pulled off. But yeah, things are looking yeah, up. You left us wanting more. But also, I've seen years and years of, and actually it's only in, you know, really seeing it firsthand in NFL Europe. So, um, you know, when, when a team gets to mid-season and... And I know this can happen in the NFL. And, and coach, if Jeff Reinbold was saying right now, that doesn't happen, they're pros, and Rob Ryan would tell me the same. It happens. Players on losing teams will fold up the tent. Some won't, but some will. Some, some will go into kind of career preservation mode. That happens. And I've seen it happen time and time again in NFL Europe. And the good thing to Flores' credit is that he didn't allow that to happen. And I think, I think with him and Chris Greer, it's not... Yeah, they're not interested in winning the off-season. How many off-seasons have the Dolphins won? By signing the most high-priced now, I'm going to go against myself here because they signed Byron Jones. But they also made a, very, they, they made a lot of very sensible signings as well to go with that uh, record-breaker. So I think that, that he seems to have his feet on the ground. I like him a lot. Well, let's talk about Byron Jones, the, the, the highest profile, as you say, of the off-season signings. We talked about Howard and Breida uh, offensively, uh, Shaq Lawson in as well, Carl Van Noy. So some uh, interesting strengthening going on defensively, which makes a lot of sense given Flores' uh, background and, and his evolution, of course. And, he, you know, the, the patronage there makes a lot of sense. Does that give you the sense that, and look how bad the Finns were against the past last season as well, right? So mm. amongst the worst in the NFL. So, but now it's all different, certainly with that tag team. Does it give you a sense that this is going to be a defense-first side and they're going to start by being hard to beat? It, it seems kind of counterintuitive when you think about some of the freewheeling offensively last season and the fact that Fitz is a quarterback uh, and two are kind of coming in at some point you know, in a different but similar way. But do you think that that is the kind of side Forrest is trying to build, leading with the deep? I think, I think he would like to run the football and be physical on defense. I think when you look at... Uh, Kyle Van Noy and Elandon Roberts coming in. Obviously, they're bringing uh, a Patriot way. That's that's we we always hear that. But it, you know, there's a certain style that they play in the, in New England, and they're physical. They run downhill and they hit you on defense. Um, but I also think he's going to be. So I think that's his kind of starting point. But I also think the New England in him is going to is going to change and evolve from week to week. So I'm not sure it's going to be kind of the Dolphins are a running team and they are. 
this on defense. I do think they'll mm. change, but I, get, I think when you look back, look on the defensive side now as well. Again, it's obviously Byron Jones is the is the outlier, but you've got Shaq Lawson, who's a kind of a retread, not your highest defensive tackle that would be available. But if mm. he matches what he did in Buffalo and gets you seven and a half sacks, Job that's done. a pretty good return. Yeah. Emmanuel Ogbo, who was went from Cleveland to the Chiefs. Had about seven or eight sacks last year. He gets you seven or eight again. Kyle Van Noy, if he chips in with six or seven and is a defensive leader. So it's all these kind of, they're not, they haven't just shot for one superstar pass rusher and that's that's that. They've, mm. they've added pieces. And I think, again, they've been very, very sensible. And when you look at each one individually outside of Jones, again, Jones is, of course, the highest paid corner in the NFL. So that one's different. But outside of Jones, everything else in it, looking at it individually is not necessarily going to wow you, but you put all of those pieces together and this is a mm. team game. And I, I do think they've, they've done some good business. And, and again, they, they kind of moved in the right direction. And I think this is a move in the right direction year. That's all it can be. Well, let's look at the, uh, all of this in the, in the context of the AFC East then, because it is one of the divisions that people have been talking about for obvious reasons for months and months now. That is the changing of the guard. The Patriots are not going to be nearly as good as they have been. The Bills were great last year and they're even better now that Diggs is here. And sure, the Dolphins are on the up, but they're still a work in progress and the Jets are the Jets. Is that how you read it? Or do you think there's more to it than meets the eye? And I know this has probably been a little bit clouded by camp and joining the Pats, but... I felt that even pre-cam, everybody has been a little bit too quick to write off the Patriots and it could come back to, to, to haunt them. So how are you reading the, the division and who you think or how you think it's going, it's going to play out for the Finns? So I still have the Dolphins as the third best team in the division. And I think it's really interesting. This goes back to um, a belief in Brian Flores and a perception thing. Um, because the Dolphins finished four and three last year. The Jets finished five and two, but give me the Dolphins and Flores over Adam Gase. And, mm. and so it's a funny thing, really, when you think about it. Some coaches are just perceived yeah. to be better. And, and where the Jets actually, they had a weak schedule, the Jets, but they still finished five and two. But I don't buy into Adam Gase. It's a great point. And, and I wonder if it has a lot to do with the point you made earlier in terms of temperament and, and, and style, really, that, that Gase for two different aspects to him, right? He's, he's clearly quite a dog. All coaches are dogmatic, but he seems to be particularly so in the, in the way that things went down in, uh, in Miami, obviously. And, and, and it seems to be echoed in New York in terms of how he deals with his, certainly the, the playing personnel, but, but really his role as a head coach, he's quite a confrontational character. And then how he plays in the media as well. He just doesn't seem to resonate or connect when you think of some of the greats like Parcells and how much of a master he was at dealing with the media but even Belichick in his in his way has a you know has a, 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 a controlled style there too Gase just doesn't seem to gel at all well come across at all well even if he's the you know the nicest guy in the room it doesn't come across so he doesn't seem to be winning much of the the PR battle on, on either side does he no, and that unfortunately is a part of the job when you're yep. the, the, the you're the face of the you're the face of it, and especially in uh, in New York, you know when Ben McAdoo turned up for the Giants press conference in the oversized suit, he never lived that down. I think right. chasing the flies uh, is never yeah. going to be lived down, and that you're starting from behind the eight ball right from right from the get go. So, um, unfortunately, perception does matter. You know, my friend Jim Tom Sula was a defensive yeah. line coach. He looked like a D-line coach. He'd walk into a press conference sweating with the shell suit on mm. and nobody ever really bought him as a head coach. Mm. So I think it is a perception thing. Um, so I have the Dolphins ahead of the Jets to go back to your original question. Mm. Pre-CAM, I still had Buffalo winning. I had Buffalo winning the division and I, but I still had New England. I'm with you. I don't think you write the Patriots off. They're just too good. They've been too good for too long. Yeah. Pre-CAM, I had them as a wild card team. I actually haven't changed my opinion on that at the moment. I still think Buffalo are good enough to take this division. Uh, and Cam can go one of two ways. He can either catapult this team back to the top when they've been for the last 20 years, or he can do enough to get them to the wild card. I, I, I don't see the Patriots falling off a cliff anytime soon, but I also worry a bit about Cam's injury history. Mm. So the Jets propping things up then, doing the maths here. So 
does that make the Dolphins a, a contender for a wild card? Can we see two coming out of the East, do you think? I would say, I would say the more likely to get, I mean, we've got an extra one this year, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a possibility. Um, I think for the Dolphins, I'm, I'm, I would expect, given it's a tough schedule and all of where they've got to, I, I think, I think playoffs is, a, is too much to ask. I think mm. seven wins, uh, eight wins, yeah, nine, and they'll be ecstatic. I think, as I said, I think this is a progress year, and 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 they they they're kind of building, making putting down building blocks. So I think even you know, obviously they're going to chase for the playoffs, but I think if they came out of this seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven around that range, I think they'd be happy that they're moving in the right direction. Jeff Fisher, as we call it, the trade, right? <laughs> the good old the eight Do a Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, we know that you're tight for time, but because of the one of the eleven podcasts you've got, to, you've got to go and record. But I wanted to ask you about the NFL Academy very quickly before we let you go, uh, particularly because it's a it's a subject you know close to your heart as a key part of the NFL scene over here. But but even more than that, right? For for family reasons, so, so tell us more because your boy is part of the inaugural class, right? And is going great guns. Yeah, he has. Um, he's been uh, so he's been the sort of starting quarterback for Great Britain under 19s. He's been starting quarterback at the academy this first year. He's got one more year there, um, but now we're in the process of um, kind of reaching out to colleges because you kind of do that in your junior year, then you play your senior year, and then you you hope you get offered something. So um, yeah, at the moment George is he's pricked up some decent attention, so it's going well. He's had. About 22 schools that are kind of wow, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Good. Just off the film, just off highlights. Um, we sent the highlights around to a few people. Um, Brian Baldinger did a Baldy's breakdown, which was incredible. Uh, we, did, we had no idea. So, we're out in the park last week. George is throwing, he has to throw to me when he's not with his academy teammates, which is a challenge for him because, <laughs> well. Like, you know how they say, so if you play with really good players, you improve. And I guess it's similarly. In so the when I've got, so got a post, he has to start me 30 yards downfield. <laughs> and then I just do the last bit because, because he knows that the timing's going to be off. So, <sighs> we were out and we didn't know that he was coming. And then his phone's pinging away and it's, it's it, all his mates telling him that he's, there's Baldy's breakdown's been done. Um, there's a big football magazine for high school players in America called uh, Tom Lemming's Prep Football. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and George is going to be in that this month. Oh, incredible. Um, so we're not sure what star rating he's going to get, but we're, we're pretty pumped that he's going to be in that. And then uh, Quincy Avery, who's Deshaun Watson's private quarterback coach, mm. he selected George for a quarterback. It's called the QB Stars event, which was the top 100 high school quarterbacks in America. So George got selected for that. Sadly, he couldn't travel because of everything that's going on. So, oh, uh, man, yeah. But it's still the honour to... He's going to do the drills remotely, but it's just it's kind of a reminder that he's, he is in the mix and uh, certainly getting some attention. So it's, it's exciting it's, oh. because it's, it's a tough position to break into over there, you know? British yeah, this sports. is it. And it's a full, well, first, congratulations to, to, to him. That's extraordinary stuff. And, and it's fantastic for the academy as well to, you know, to have, one of its, have one of its students doing so well and gaining such plaudits but as you say the you know the quarterback position is is the one that we're seeing more and more players from britain changing lanes christian way christian scotland williamson and the next step is you start him younger more will go through and, and start in the nfl but the quarterback position was the one that is that going to be is that going to be the, the hardest but is there ever going to be but actually if you look at this this progress the progress with george i mean it, it certainly becomes we're that little bit closer to that being realistic and, and, and it's fantastic to see. So massive props to him. Congratulations there. In Everything terms of competition now, though, that's the trouble we see now because uh, when I tell him I'm doing, uh, recording a podcast, mm. he'll say he's done about five or six podcasts on the, in the British scene recently. Mm. And um, so we, whenever I say I'm recording a podcast, say, oh yeah, but dad, you're only, you're only asking the questions. They're not. They're <laughs> not easy right? So then uh, I, I had to do an interview the other day with the Times. And so I said, oh, George, I'm doing an interview with the Times. Yeah, I puffed my chest out of it. And he's like, uh, and the first question they asked was, how's George doing? How's <laughs> <laughs> George is doing as well. So I'm not going to tell him you ask. Just cut this bit out when you play it. When you play it in the car, obviously the convertible with the wind, uh, the wind blowing through. You just cut, just fast forward this bit. Uh, what I'm having pictures of actually is George making it to 
the NFL and you in Jerry Jones's box high-fiving as George, as George throws a touchdown. I could just fast-forward seven or eight years and I'd see that. I'd see I'll, be the, I'll be the guy cleaning it. Remember that scene where the guy was cleaning Jerry Jones's glasses, <laughs> handing them back to him? That'd be me. Oh well, hey, you might get to go on Jerry Jones's yacht when George gets drafted. So look at look at the upside of that. Um, well, listen, massive congrats to him. Uh, congrats to you as well. The Neil Reynolds Pod, absolutely rolling. It's great to see that. Uh, terrific guest. Give that a quick plug before you go. Yeah. So the uh, Neil Reynolds Podcast is out every fortnight during the off season. It's going to go weekly uh, during the season. Uh, we've done future work. Well, we've done obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick, Bruce Arians, Doug Marone. They're all timeless. So it's just football stories. So you can listen to them dip in and out from any time. Uh, we've recently recorded Raheem Moster of the 49ers, mm. Kirk Cousins, uh, doing Josh McCown tomorrow night, uh, Johnny Hecker next week. So, oh, that'll yeah, be fun. Pretty, yeah, pretty bit. Uh, Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals. Um, so we've got some good names. Um, yeah, give it a try. Brilliant. And as you say, evergreen. So dive in and out uh, whenever. Uh, great to see you, man. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Check it soon, bro. Lovely stuff from both our guests this week. What else did you expect, gang? We'll be hearing from Neil and Greg very, very soon on the show. You can guarantee it. And we are back next week with more off-season goodness. You have to follow us on social at The NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, to find out what we've got coming up and what is going down and which terrific guests we are lining up. Incidentally, props to Marley and the crew for all the content they're putting out on social at the moment. Interesting discussion right now about the most underrated defensive players in the NFL. I've put mine out there. Quite a few of our show friends have done the same thing as well. Get involved with that discussion and that debate on those channels. Still no TikTok. Harry just, Harry just didn't reply to any of my messages about TikTok, so I'm going to work on Ollie because he's, he's more that generation anyway, gang. So we'll get Ollie, Ollie, the producer, on the case with that. We'll be on TikTok, I promise you, very, very soon. We're back next week. See you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.